We know this is temperamental, so Tony's giving me a, a battery in the backup, so I might have to do a quick change. But uh, how's everybody doing? Everybody doing good? Why don't you turn around and say, wave at somebody, say hello, say you're looking, you're looking lovely today. I see you got your hair cut, or you just say hello, and you're very, very welcome. Like Colin said, if this is your first time back, or you've been, you're very, very welcome, okay, so, yeah. <clears throat> Wasn't, give it up for Colin, by wasn't he, wasn't he great, by the way, so um, getting, the, getting the pleasure to do home groups with Colin Rosie, there's, there's a man who I know has a hunger for the, the presence of the Lord and, and loves to, to see how he can shoot it out, so there, there is, there's a gift there for that, and uh, Rebecca, I, just as you were worshipping, you know, you looked, I, was, I was smiling at you, but I just really feel like the Lord wants you to know that he, he has gifted you to, to lead worship, and I say lead worship, um, and he says don't despise the small beginnings, but also, he's also given you a gift to write songs. I don't know if you already do this, but I just feel like there is, particularly for, for worship, that uh, he says keep pressing into that gift, keep uh, pressing in the right things down, because you'll find that actually, he, he is, my laptop's dead, uh, that he, he will give you those, those songs and those lyrics for not only our church, but for, for particularly in Northern Ireland setting, that actually you'll, you'll begin to do that. And uh, for Leah, actually, the anointing is on you. And that's just simple, and I want to call that out, because you, you know, your biggest fan is obviously dipped in, but you, the, the anointing is on you. And, and I want to say that is very evident, and I, I want to call that out with people who I know from behind the scenes, and only met you this week really, is behind the scenes, and I feel like the Lord is saying, you have stewarded that well. He says, good and faithful servant who have stewarded the presence of the Lord. And, and I think you write music as well, and there's a gift on you to continue to write music that actually will be for this island. Um, and there's going to be that, and I don't want to just put that on the pressure, to, but you do that anyways, and I just feel like there's going to be things that actually... I'd be bold to say you'll make a financial income out of it. And I feel like the Lord said, don't be, don't be despised and I will bring you the financial blessing through that. But actually, I will, you will write songs that will travel far and wide and depress into doing that and seeing that done. So we just, we just bless that for you. So um, we appreciate you coming. Yeah, the story is, uh, I contacted Aileen, but really, she, I think she had, you signed up before I even said hello. So <laughs> that was, that's always the biggest fans anyway. So yeah, if you, if you haven't been here the past couple of weeks, we are in our Catch the Fire series, okay? So we will be continuing on, and we will have this week, and then we'll have one last week next weekend, which I'm really excited for as well. So um, all I will say is you'll not want to miss that one. Come, come along, okay? It'll be, it'll be great. It'll not be me, don't worry. So it'll be great. And uh, I was about to... Why did you laugh at that one for? <laughs> I think I'm going to speak to about 3 o'clock today, is that right? Um, I'm only kidding, I'm only kidding, we want to grow our church and not empty it. And uh, so, this, the title of the series is Cats the Fire, but I wanted to call, the, the, the title of my talk today is, is Cats the New Thing. It's Cats the New Thing. But it was between that and also Cats the Smell. And you'll understand why in a second, but I just really, it was two of the things that I couldn't really decide upon. I did go with Cats the New Thing because it sounds better, but Cats the Smell, and, and I really think it's just something that, particularly for a church, and just so you know, over the next six to eight months, is there, there's gonna, there has been a lot of change in our church, but over the next six to eight months, there is a vision and a strategy and, and a, a really a call we believe God is leading us into that actually Colin talked about the harvest and talked about sharing that vision and he was spot on. He shared it during the week and in fact, he preached half of my sermon. And uh, there's actually something about when we are gonna be reaching not only the surrounding areas, but also something about our own area, practically for our outreach, but also our in-house and what we're going to do. And I really feel like over the next six to eight months, just particularly if we, we, we sew into this, and you'll hear a bit about what that may look like coming. So 
as I was praying, as I was just leading in, God, what is it you're saying for our community? What is it that you want us? What is it, a phrase or a word? And, and I'm going to, today I want to give you a couple of, of aspects or keys or just things that if we can grab hold of will make us more impactful in reaching our community. And, and, the, and the phrase that the Lord I felt like really gave me, if you're taking notes, is stepping into the God story for our community. It's stepping into the God story of our community. See, how many of you know that God is already writing a story out there, in here but out there, that he's already got plans and purposes for our time, for our community and for County Down. You see, it is by his spirit that he's already out there moving ahead of us. You know, we talk about the walls being broken down. We, we sing new songs about the spirit coming and moving in his glory, filling his place. And he's doing that. But how many of us know before we even leave here right now, actually as we sit here right now, the spirit of God is in every state, town, village and community around us. That he's there, that he's hovering as if he was hovering upon the waters as it says in Genesis 1. But he is there and he's moving. You see, before we arrive on the scene, God's already there, right? But we in our, because we want to be part of the move of God, we want to step into what God's doing. But he's the one that ushers us in. Not, we don't usher him in, we don't bring him in, although we carry his presence with us. There's something about when we see the bigger picture of what God's doing in this area. We don't have to, you know, I don't come up with a vision. John doesn't come up with a vision. Our elders don't come up with a vision. We and our, our best try to catch it. Because how many know that we can come up with all we want, all our plans and all our purposes, but nothing matches his in the prophetic moment, in the prophetic time. And that's something over the next six to eight months, you know, this is, you know, for a lot of us, you know, you've, you've come on board, you know, just in three COVID times. So there's been, you know, our church hasn't really been in what we love to do as a church. And actually, I really believe within the, six, the next six to eight months, we're going to be pressing into that. So I would love to, you know, if you, if you can just take notes and, and just some of the things we're going to talk about. Okay, so it is about, regardless, it's a story, regardless of how too far gone a person's life may be, whether it's our own or whether it's the people in the states, the rural communities around us, no matter how too far gone, the Spirit of God is in that and wants to move through that. It's the reckless love of God who is always willing to leave the 99 to catch the one left behind. It's the understanding that we are all lovable, we're all redeemable, and our situations are always touchable by God who wants to move towards us to not only heal us but to lead us beyond. And it's no matter how much pain and difficulty that we all may be facing, no matter how many antisocial behavior may be around our communities, that the Spirit of God is up to something. In fact, no matter how uninterested in faith or church that our community may seem, that God is more interested in them. You see, the Spirit, the move of God isn't about who's interested. It's a move of God is about actually his reckless love, is his mercy and his grace to move toward. We all know that, right? And it's by, and we all know, it's by the infilling of the Spirit of God moving on the inside of us, calling us out into that harvest that we will see a move. But regardless, if you're a culty, a townie, a Frankie, or whatever, right? God loves you, no matter where you're from, okay? But the thing is, our community just don't know that yet. So it's up to us. So what we're going to do is we're going to put our coats on, we're going to go out, I'm joking, I did say I'd make that joke. One day, I would love to, though. I, would want to, I want you to come back, but I would love to. So how are we going to do that, right? There's many, many strategies, practical designs that I'm not going to be able to, to talk about right now, but we'll, we'll unfold those as time goes on. But to be, you know, we can be effective in connecting with someone with the estates, but we may not 
be as effective as reaching someone in the countryside. You see, you can be gifted to connect with somebody from Crossguard, Killay, or beyond, but, and you have that talent, you have that language, you have that knack, but then you go into Cathedral View and it doesn't be the same. We can be effective and efficient in one way, but not in the other. So what can we do? And what are some of the insights and the mindsets that we can have? I believe that actually it doesn't matter where you go, that actually we can be effective in reaching our community. So from the, the community outreaches that we're going to do in those places or the in-house social gatherings, I want to give us a couple of keys, if you're taking notes, that actually will help us reach to catch the new thing that God's doing in our community. The first one, if you're taking notes, is those with greater levels of impact walked in greater levels of curiosity. Those with greater levels of impact walk in greater levels of curiosity. You see, it's the curiosity to know what is the Spirit of God doing. It's how can I step into the story of what God is already writing. It's in the midst of all of this asking, God, how do you see our community? How do you see my neighbors? But it's also, what are you doing in the midst of this? And I believe the influence and impact of our church actually survives and thrives on the curiosity of our members and our people. It's in fact, I believe our church growth explodes when the curiosity that we have means that we pursue to catch the things that the Spirit's doing in our community and in our midst. Because we can have all the vision, the strategy, the five-year plans we want, but if you're not curious to see what God's doing, then you'll actually miss it. Proverbs 29, we all know, we all quote it, says those without vision perish, right? It's not just about gathering vision, but the, the emphasis, if you look at the ESV, says where there's no prophetic vision, the people will perish, the people cast off strength. It's about listening to what is the Spirit of God doing, and that is something that we all are implicated into. You see, the moment we lose curiosity is the moment we lose steam and perseverance. The curiosity, the hunger, and the zeal to figure out what is the kingdom of God's story being written out there means that when things come, plans change, the going gets tough, that we stay on track and we stay on vision. Because it's easy to have passion in the honeymoon period, right? But it takes work, it takes diligence, it takes purpose and intentionality to keep you there, right? And Acts 2, I want to read uh, 2 to 4, and then I'll jump to 17 because it's obviously a long passage. But if you've got your Bibles, or it'll come up on the screen. It says this, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues of fire, and one sat on each of them. And they were filled all with the Holy Spirit and began to speak other tongues and, other spirit of the other, and as the Spirit as, the, as they gave utterance. And then 17 says, And I shall pour, pour out... And it shall come to pass, sorry, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. You see, the early church positioned themselves to catch the thing that God was doing. They did this by, by positioning themselves to catch the dreams and the visions that God was was wanting to give them. It was the dreams and the visions. It wasn't their own plans, their own purposes, their own wishes. But you see, it says, your young men shall see visions and your old men dream dreams. It means a whole community 
young and old get to hear what God's doing in our community. And I'm, you know, I look around our church, we have people young and old. You may be here young going, well, you know, well, I can't really read the Bible. I can't really have a voice to say. And actually, we need to press in to go and actually empowering our kids and our young people that actually, you know, Janine and Nikki have the task of actually going, how do we begin to hear from God for our kids? How do our kids begin to be activated and listen to the voice of God? But it's also our task to equip you to go, actually, there's not about a, a gifted and just the called people, but actually, what about all of us to begin to hear because we're all in the midst of our communities? You see, to the, to the philosophical mind of the Greeks, if you like, they, they believed vision from Jesus was actually something for fools. To the iron fist of the Romans, any vision was actually just weakness. And for, well, the Jews, we knew that that was something of shame and of contention. You see, it's still the same today that our community would go, you know, you want to read all the self-help books and you want to read all X, Y, and Z and not actually listen to what the Spirit of God's saying because actually that may be foolish, weak, or actually not a more effective way to about it. But how many of we know that when we press into the prophetic utterances that God speaks, it's actually then what seemed impossible as possible. It's actually then what seemed out of character actually became in character. And we're not commissioned as a church to sit on the sidelines and listen to those who lead in our communities to lead our community. That we are actually commissioned to go and step in. And as time goes on, well, you know, as God calls you into that or whatever the, the practicalities we, we might do as a church, we'll actually begin to see the opportunities that we can do that. But we as a church must always, over the next six to eight months, be pursuing the new thing that God's doing. You see, we always hear change is here to stay, right? But it's so easy to say that. But why is it hard to embrace the new thing, because new is always linked. Change is always linked to loss. We have to let go of what was to embrace what is. But that's so much easier said than done. And it's something that as we allow the Spirit of God to move and we pray for that and we go after that, we'll then begin to step into the new thing God has. I want to say it like this. Praying stokes the fire within us, but stepping out in faith spreads the fire within us. As we pray and as we seek, the fire within us begins to stir up. But how many of us know that's no good unless we step out and that gets spread? Have you ever prayed for something or got fired up for something and then when it came to you going about it, you either backed out or you thought, this is for somebody else. And then the Lord spoke to you saying, what about you? And you go, no, Lord. But actually something is, but when we pray that thing that burns on the inside of us, we have to step into it. And we have to get curious of what could happen through us in his strength more than what we might mess it up in our own. You see, we all... I mean, we all operate in the spirit of stupidity from time to time, right? But it's actually only operating in the spirit of God that he uses our limitations to bring about another person's breakthrough. Curiosity knows that it's not up to me, it's up to him. I'm willing to preserve his reputation more than my own. Curiosity, they say, killed the cat, right? But I actually also believe that the believer without curiosity will kill their faith. I'm not talking about being curious and other things other than Christianity. Like we have to, you know, examine all things and take that which is good, right? I'm not talking about, you know, we have to use discernment of what we're being curious for. But if not us, then who? If not us in our church, then who? If not now, then when? Because the cultural landscape in our community is changing at a speed of knots. And we have to figure out how are we going to continue to step into the story. It takes courage and it takes curiosity. But also I believe the second one is those who walk in greater levels of impact walk in greater levels of humility. We get curious to understand our culture. You know, what are the cultural references that someone in the estate might use is very, very different. I mean, Hannah and I have discovered this. 
as we've got married, it's like the, the cultural references and the things you use to describe things are so different. I find I start using them and going, yeah, she's, she's influencing me. She's, she's trying to get me back into the, the culture, right? And then she starts saying like a lot and all these different things and, you know, it, it tends to happen that way. But we can be effective, like I says, in one community, but ineffective in another. But we must realize that the people I'm reaching don't need to become like me in order to have a relationship like Jesus. You see, the people of Down Patrick don't need to become Protestant in order to become Christian. But also, you don't need to become Catholic in order to connect with them. Remember St. Patrick, who used the shamrock to explain the Trinity? What are the cultural things that we can use to, to explain and to give and to bring people into an encounter with Jesus? We have to understand what are the cultural barriers that we're setting up as a church that's stopping them from connecting and having an encounter with Jesus? That takes humility. That also means we have to get over our cultural arrogance. But we first have to discover what is our cultural arrogance. None of us have cultural arrogance, right? Not at all, Raymond, I know. But all of us, regardless, have to go, what am I sifting into this message that actually means that they don't, they feel like they have to act the certain way before they can come and be part of our church? How many of, of us are willing to come and not our Sunday best and allow actually those who come just as they are? And that's what we do as a church. We want to come as we are and we want to be that. But are we willing to actually allow people to see our vulnerabilities and our weaknesses so that then that shows humility so that then they can come as they are? I don't have the reference down, but it's going to be the next passage that comes up in the scripture. And it's uh, something, verse 20, okay? It says, when I was, yes, First Corinthians, when I was with the Jews, this is Paul speaking, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I'm not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring Christ, I bring to those Christ who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not, know, who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from the law so I can bring them to Christ. I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weakness to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. We can read, do you know what I've discovered? There's actually not a lot of material or things that you can read online to discover how do we reach down Patrick or County Down or the surrounding areas, right? So who's the pioneers for that? No, I'm not. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure we keep doing that. But there's people here that know how to reach certain communities that I do not. Hannah knows how to reach a farming community. I'm learning language and how to connect. There's no point in me trying to, unless God calls, right? There's no point in me trying to, to figure out somebody else's culture when I know a certain culture. If we all come together, how we reach Crossgar, Kille, Kalinchi, you know, all around and along, as far as, I want to go as far as river, but let's get practical. It's up to us. Now, do I believe that the Lord's, you know, I want to be us so that we can, I want to help us contextualize what we're doing. But it's up to you and it's up to me and it's up to us as a community to go, what can I do to find common ground? And that's when the Spirit of God comes upon you and goes, actually use this word. Or if, when we listen, all of a sudden he shows us something. Now, I'm preaching further down what I want to, but I visualize that our journey home groups will be established in every estate every rural village, every nook and cranny of this side of Belfast. 
so that actually we can be culturally relevant bases for our church so that people are not expected to cross the bridge into our turf, but we step into theirs. We might get rejected. We might get hurt in the process. Don't take it to heart. Take it as we pioneer. And I, I do believe, I, I didn't want that. It's easier to go to an established church, but we are, we are pioneering something here that I believe will change the trajectory of our kids and our children and our grandchildren and our grandchildren. I believe that our community will understand what does it mean to contextualize into a culture, that they will learn, and there's things that we want to, and there's, there's stuff I'm reading, but it requires all of us to go, how do I contextualize what God is saying to me? How do I remove all the religious jargon? And how do I talk to somebody about knowing Jesus as their Lord and Savior without using Jesus as their Lord and Savior? Or how do I, you know, get them to experience grace without using the word grace or mercy and so on? It might mean that we have to rediscover the terms and encounter them for ourselves, but we have to begin to become aware of that. But I want to say that's because it's really important because we can swing one way, but we also have to have a, be careful of the danger that we come, when it comes to engaging with our community and our culture, that we desire to build relationships and be accepted is greater than our core Christian beliefs. And so therefore we get washed away with what the person believes. We have to have a backbone when we go with this. It's not about arguing until we're blue in the face. I think this, we watch the film Belfast. Has anybody been watching it? I've encouraged you to go watch it. It's a good cultural you know, reference and you learn a few things too. But uh, one of the things that it portrayed the, the Catholic priest and the minister. And I thought, that's really interesting they're doing that. It's interesting how, I don't know if Kenneth Branagh, the director, is a Christian or not, but obviously he was, he was talking about what way in the road to go. You know, go watch it, encourage your homework, right? Is go to the cinema. I couldn't have said that about 40 years ago, actually. Um, again, the culture changes, right? But that's important is that we don't, we don't follow culture. We stay true in what the truth of the kingdom is, but we learn to go, what is actually of the kingdom, and we move in that, and actually move through culture. You see, or we will then have the mindset where we have no responsibility to contextualize our message and expect then people in our community to move across the borders to us, meaning that actually we all become irrelevant, and we all become disconnected. And the humble balance that I want to try and portray in the short time is, you know, we stand true to our core values and our beliefs because of the work that God's done in us, but we become aware of what part of the image that we're trying to fashion them into be is of our culture, not of Christ. See, we want people to come into the culture or the image of Christ, not the image of our culture. And so what is it? And a lot of us, if we're honest, we come from, and you, Sharon doesn't like me using this, but the Protestant backgrounds, or some of us are from you know, Catholic cultures, and I'll, I'll use that language because it's just what the language we use to describe it, but are we aware of what is of my culture, my tradition? and actually is hindering people around me connecting with the power and the love of Jesus to see their life transformed. Remember this though, that your story is your greatest evangelism tool. Who's an evangelist in here? There's a couple of people that are like, Belinda, you're at everything. <laughs> actually, you're like, you know, I hear you, you popping up everywhere, but there, there are evangelists, and you know, we talk about the, the fivefold ministry, and I, and I wanna, you know, there are people who are, who are called to raise up evangelists, and you, you know, you get saved every time you talk to them, right? That's not theologically correct, by the way. But we all have a responsibility to evangelize. And your story and the growth of our church is your responsibility, not just mine. But I've always heard it said like this. I've always heard people say, South Down, and I get what they're saying, South Down and Down Paddock is known as the church planter's graveyard. It's known as the place. It's just hard ground. And can I tell you something? I 100% and categorically disagree 
Because Jesus says this, Colin quoted it, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Now, when I read that, I believe his words more than I believe our own. But if the harvest is plentiful over Downpatrick, over Crossguard, Killalay, Dundrum, all of these places around us, it means that Jesus is speaking a story over our community that is of mass salvation, deliverance, healing, and discipleship. That's the story he's writing. So we have to step in humbly to begin to connect with the people around us, whether it's through all the different vehicles that we'll do, whether it's through home groups or connecting with strangers through our outreaches. But we have the opportunity to see what we see in Scripture become the reality. But remember this, we have to contextualize before we evangelize. You may be here going, evangelism isn't for me. I'll leave that to the extroverts. I'll sit here, be safe, and where it's comfortable. But hands up. If you know that God's called you to worship Christ and discover more of who he is. Hands up. Who in here believes God has called you, right? James, you're like, what's he going to do? People are like, what have you been implicated into, right? But we're all called to do that. If you're not and you haven't given your life to Jesus, we can sort that out and then you will be. But did you also know that in order to grow in understanding more of the image of Christ, that you need to engage with people from different communities in you? You see, the image of Christ isn't just the image of the culture you were brought up in. Paul tells us in Ephesians 3, he says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, but together with all the Lord's holy people, all those who he saves in his kingdom, to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and deep is the love of Christ. When we aim to have this community as one cultural expression, we limit our understanding of Jesus and his kingdom. Just like Jesus isn't white, like a lot of our churches portray, right? But we have the opportunity to see Jesus is much greater than our cultural bound vision of him through the testimony of those who've seen him through different eyes. When we engage with a testimony of how Jesus has worked in their lives and the spirit is moving and we step into that story, we learn new facets of who he is and his nature. It's only through engaging with all of you do I understand and get insight of who Christ is and who he is that I begin to go, he's not just my upbringing. How I see him, I project all my cultural and traditional upbringing onto him. How many of us do that? It's so deeply ingrained, isn't it? I'm not, this is why we need humility. Because we have to go, am I going to be willing to go, what is? And the Spirit of God will re- reveal to you, or other people will. But it's only through the eyes of the Romanian nationalist do we know Jesus' unity as cross borders. It's only through the eyes of the single mother do we see Jesus as provider. It's only through the lens of the farmer who's lost a loved one do we experience Jesus as comforter. It's only through the, the testimony of a mixed marriage do we see Jesus as reconciliation. It's only through the story of a fearful teenager that actually we see Jesus as empowerer. It's only through the lens of a bitter estate kid do we see Jesus as deliverer. If we don't choose to step into each other's stories, we don't get to show the world his story. If we, we owe our communities an encounter with him because he's encountered us. And we have to be going, I have to step out and I have to decide. See, a community that is searching for something, we would step in and show them Jesus. That that would be our vision, that would be our motivation, that would be the thing that keeps us on track. But number three, 
It is why those who walk on greater levels of impact smell like sheep. We all want. I tell you, this spoke to me. <laughs> it did. And let me explain it like this, okay? Every time Hannah comes home from the farm, <laughs> you're going to understand, Tina, this isn't. I want you to listen to something. I'm, tell, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I want you to listen to this, okay? Every time Hannah comes home from the farm, she has that smell. There's also, I did say, it says, there's usually a speck of poo that she's missed somewhere in the cheek as well, right? She knew about this. But can I tell you something? I love it. I love it. Every time I smell, it reminds me of something. Because it tells me that she's been doing what she loves. But it tells me that she's been up close working with messy sheep and cows, something I wouldn't do. But it also tells me that she's been doing the things not only is she good at, that she enjoys, but she's been contributing to something bigger than herself. It also tells me this. Hannah would never have come home with that smell on her if she just looked at the animals from a distance. She wouldn't have had that smell on her if she hadn't got up close and had her hands places that I all of a sudden find out where they've been as she were hugging, right? Hannah wouldn't have that smell if she sat at home thinking about healing can't contain herself. Wouldn't have had that smell on her if she sat at home with me going, oh, what has to be done on the farm? You see, in order for Hannah to have that smell, she had to be in the cattle long enough, scrubbing their feet, washing their milk and bays, scraping the crap off the floor so that those animals would have a safe, hospitable environment, actually so all of us could have the milk to drink. But Hannah came home yesterday with that smell because she led them. She walked with them and moved them onto the next field to feed on. That's how we catch the smell. You see, it's no different for our communities. It's no different for the people that are around us. It's not. It's the same principle. It's the same. We can't do it any other way. Discipleship can't happen any other way. It's a smell in this area that God wants you and I to catch. That when you catch it, people will look at you differently. They'll look at you and they'll open up into you in ways because guess what? They are smelling you. Who are you? We smell each other all the time. You see, they will look to you when they need a leader. They'll look to you and to see the Christ in you, to taste and see the freedom that they so long for, that they so desire. And then when they smell it, they'll trust you in ways you can't explain. We all do it. Not only do we have the marginalized look to us, but we also have the leaders and the politicians look to us. What do we smell like? You see, it's a smell you get and you can only get, not by praying for impartation of that smell, by only getting involved and stuck in, by getting close when it gets messy, because I can tell you, there's farmers here, it's messy, but you love it and you smell like it and you're in the midst of it. And do you know what? It's often done in the quiet. Nobody sees it, it's not glamorous, but it contributes to something that us naive people don't often know. If all the farmers took a holiday, how would we survive? And every time Hannah comes home, I love it because it teaches me something about the kingdom of God. Reminds me, there's no point standing up here 
talking for the sake of talking. There's no point us getting up to be at the front or to, you know, to, to be in mass crusades if we're not spending time in the midst of people. We can do and pray for that all we want. But remember, Jesus will never ever give you a platform in the kingdom. He gives many people platforms, but he'll never give you a platform if you cannot handle the people in the quiet, behind the scenes. And our culture is obsessed with that. The smell is when we get, we get that smell, when we pray for them in person, when we encourage them, we challenge them to step into what God's calling them to do. It's not a quick turnaround, it's long and it's glamorous, but it's actually the only road that leads to our community's transformation. Do you ever wonder what Jesus smelled like? I'm not going to suggest what he smells like. But I thought, maybe does he, well I am actually, maybe he smelled like wood chippings as he went about his carpentry work. Maybe he smelled like fish as he stepped in and out of people's boats. Maybe he smelled like the spices as he sat around the dinner table with people who society thought, well, I'm not sitting with them. Or maybe he smelled like the aroma of the oil that was poured on his head. He caught these, for the majority, mundane, ordinary smells when he went about the every day. Doing life with people isn't always glamorous. He did the, the ordinary, the mundane, and it was messy. But it's only in the ordinary that we see Jesus do the extraordinary. Jesus doesn't step in when you do extraordinary moments. That's the everyday. And if Hannah stayed at home instead of choosing to get stuck in, I know there was other members, but we're just talking about for hypotheticals sake. But those animals would starve. They'd wander off onto the road, get injured, probably do that anyways, Marvin, right? But they would die. You see, what makes you think it isn't the same for our communities? I'm not going to stand up like that preacher in you know, the, the movie Belfast, but actually they're all living in hell, going to hell or screwed up, and actually we're all you know, trying to figure our own lives out. But God's calling us to step into the story. You see, those who walk with greater levels, number four, of impact, are led by the Spirit. I have to admit, South Down, Down Patrick does have a particular smell. And the only way we get it I mean, I am born and bred here, but can I tell you something? There's more than smells than just the model farm, by the way. And usually it smells of petrol and all that type of thing, right? <laughs> Up to no good. But can I tell you something? Regardless of what smell is in the round in all the different rural communities, and it requires us to go, am I willing to get stuck in and just talk? Because don't despise the days of small beginnings, but... but it's just, we got to do it because everybody, our culture, and it is two or three media, social media, just the way, you know, a culture is presented. It says that <clears throat> if what you don't see or what you don't do is not seen, then it's not significant. I couldn't be far from the truth. Do you know Jesus? We're reading the accounts of Jesus, right? He did stir up a fuss and people were, were you know, the Pharisees and, you know, the, the religious elite were after him at some point. But majority of Jesus' miracles besides the ones that were evidently, you know, you know, in public, actually happened in private. Jesus went around, and that's how we change culture. Do you know the cultural underbelly for our community is not going to be transformed here? Do you know, do you know it's going to be transformed when we go out there? And that's something that I really believe. I, we're going to talk about this, but we have to do it. But you know what? You're going to mess up. Remember, we all have the spirit of stupidity. We are going to mess up. Do we need to get better at, you know, trying to reach people and, and you know, reading strategies and ideas? Of course. But there's, too many of us can read everything and talk about doing it and we just never step out and do it. You don't change culture by talking about it. You change culture by engaging in it. 
those who walk in greater levels of impact are led by the Spirit. Over the next six to eight months, we will only be as effective as how much we are led by the Spirit. We, I, I know everybody in this place is oozing with vision. You know, we're all oozing with vision. And we want to see, you know, when, like we says, when you come with vision and you want to save the whales, who's the one that's going to go do it? The one that's oozing with the vision, right? But as we want to see the kingdom of God advance, it's not going to be easy and it's not going to just be plain and simple, but it's, we will engage with the culture not on our own skill, not on our own strength, but actually on the spirits who empowers us. Because the spirit that speaks every language and every culture in and around us, it's the spirit that makes us successful. When we engage with people from different communities, when we listen, when we learn, he shows us the windows of opportunity to take. How many of us are pouncing ready? How many of us are in the middle just going, come to every encounter you have with an agenda? That Jesus, they know Jesus, that they, they see Jesus in you. We walk around with intention. And we listen to what the Spirit is saying in every moment. That every moment become a, becomes a divine moment. In Matthew 10, 16 to 20, you can use this for many, many, I guess, purposes. But I want to show a wee principle that happens in here. It says, this is verse 16. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local council and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to also the Gentiles. But when, you, when they arrest you, do not worry about what you're going to say or how you're going to say it. At that time, in that moment, you'll be giving what you are to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of the Father speaking through you. There's plenty of times I've spoken to people from different cultural backgrounds than me that I've thought, Holy Spirit, help. People just want to, we all have cultural arrogance. But actually the Spirit of God then speaks to us and helps us in that moment listen more than we speak. But as we step out, we will make friends and we will make enemies. But just remember, not to see people as the enemy, but to see the enemy as the enemy. Okay? Don't demonize people. Are demons living in people? Yes. Do we get involved in deliverance? Yes. Now, the practice of that we can talk about another time. The enemy is very real, but don't make people the enemy. Remember, we are all broken. We all have our baggage. We all have levels of sectarian on the inside of us. Let's begin to, as we do that in ourselves, we then model that to other people. I'm only here, to be honest, Hannah and I probably wouldn't have got married if it wasn't the people came before me and actually modeled a non-sectarian way. See, moving in the gifts and the revelation of the Holy Spirit it's essential for this. You see, it helps us actually have longevity and perseverance. We read in the accounts of Acts where they got the dreams and the visions, but numbers were added daily. This should be the norm for us as a church. See, Acts is showing us the church that the church was capable to experience the sustained move of God in the community. That it was, the, it was daily that the church was stepping into the story around them. It was daily that new people were giving their life to Jesus. It was daily that people were getting heat delivered and restored and discipled. But it was also daily that the name of Jesus was being spread through the local estates, towns, and rural villages. Yet what do we do when we see what is in Scripture doesn't line up with what's happening in our communities? We get discouraged. This place, hard ground, church planters, graveyard. And we lower our faith levels to the level of the culture around us. And we begin to give up being patient. We give up fighting for the thing that God, we know, has called us to. 
And last week, John reminded us, remember John Wimber, he prayed for 10 years before he seen his first healing. We have to, as a church, need to keep digging deep to know that Down Patrick's best days are ahead of them and that our community and our church is destined to grow. But the issue is we lose hope, we lose the fight, we lose the vision and we lose perseverance because we keep reading all the bad news stories that are happening in our community. Stories of antisocial behavior, thefts, killings. I mean, not so long ago in Down Patrick that we see two stabbings one week and one was a fatality. But what do we do? We begin to believe the bad news story over time. We give up the hunger and the curiosity, but we, we all of a sudden look to more what is happening in the news than what Scripture is saying. To keep the steam, to keep that in, our, in the curiosity in our engines, in our hearts, we have to keep ourselves strong in the Lord. David was, King David was brought up earlier. In 1 Samuel 30, we see David and his men return to their base camp to find that it had been ransacked and burned down and with all their possessions and loved ones captured by the Amalekites. You see, David and his army wept. Scripture says that they wept for what had been stolen from them. They had two choices. They either live in despair or they go to prayer. The second is what David chose. 1 Samuel 35 to 6, it'll come up. Now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because their souls were grieved for every man for their son and, every, and for their daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. We always have two decisions to make. We either take things to heart or we take it to the Lord. And actually first, uh, in Samuel 30, verse 8, it says, David then inquired. See, and then it goes on to say in 1819 that David recovered all that the Amalekites had stolen and David rescued his two wives and nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons and daughters, spoil or anything that had been taken from them. David recovered all. My question is, are we going to sit on the sidelines and let the hopeless and fear-based culture write the story for our community to be about drugs, antisocial behavior or murder? Or are we going to step in and partner with God to see the headlines be written in a whole new way? I can see the newspaper headlines now. Strange new phenomena as people line the streets for Jesus. Instead of queuing for the bars and the pubs, they're queuing for the churches. Or what about this very real one? Talked about the Jesus Revolution, which the, the, uh, the New York Times magazine reported on the 21st of June in 1971. Or what about when the New York Times, it'll not come up, headlined the Jesus movement spreading on our campuses? Or what about my favorite one, which actually comes from the credit of Fiona, that was found in a Durham recorder. Locals recall 30,000 people at religious gathering held in a field, which actually was reported in 1954. It was a rosary rally, we're not gonna do that. But it was reported out in the Ballydugan Road. Over 30,000 people came. Can I tell you something? Do we believe that God wants to rewrite these headlines? Do we believe, I'm telling you, and I've, I don't know if I've told everybody this in public, I probably help, have, but I have a vision that Dunleith will be filled with over 30,000 people worshiping the name of Jesus. That's up here. We're here. But can I tell you something? I think about it daily. And I go, what can we do? And if any of you are crazy enough, that's, that's a byproduct of what we do, by the way. I believe with every fiber of my being that God wants to do it. The band want to come back up. Are we as a church believing that God will do it again? 
Are we believing, are we as a church actually willing to pay the price to see it happen? Both spiritually and financially. I believe with every fiber of my being that down Patrick and our church community, best days are ahead. But we have to persevere with the public elders community and we have to seek the Holy Spirit like never before. Why don't you stand? Are you going to press in to seek the dreams and the visions that God wants to give you and give our community? However you want to do this, but I feel like I'm done talking, which is rich. But I, to be honest, I'm doing a lot of research stuff and contextualization. I'm doing a lot of different things of how do we actually begin to reach our community. See, to be honest, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of reading. I just want to start doing. Who else wants to start doing? It requires us to step out when we're scared, when we don't know. Do you know God doesn't give you the whole vision before you move? But we move. And as the people of God, we need to decide in this church, for this area, and it's for this area, I'm biased. I'm talking about this area. Because I believe we have a group of people. I genuinely mean this. I believe in this room, we have people that know how to talk to people, who know how to reach people. It's not complicated. You don't need a PhD. We just need to be willing to, to actually share our story with people. We have to be willing to step in and go, do you know what? They might reject you. Jesus says, dust off your feet and move on. But we have to be willing to step in in Dundonald and Kalinchi and Crossgar and, and Downpatrick. I want to see more people in our Downpatrick community come to know Jesus as well. But we have to be willing. We're going to decide, you know what, this week, I'm just going to, God, are you going to step? Because God's already moving. And we're going to lie. What, what is, imagine this. If we all, over the next month, next two weeks, I would say the week, but the next two weeks, if we all just saw one person that we could share our story with, not about when I was six, I went to Sunday school, when I was seven, you know, all of this. Remove all of the religious jargon and go, this is what Jesus has done for me. Bring it up. They're not bringing it up. You got to bring it up. Coerce the movement, coerce the moment so that Jesus comes into the conversation. Be intentional. And go, God, or tell a person, this is what Jesus has done for me. They may think you're wacko, that's okay. I'm going to find somebody else to share my story with. Because when people see what God has done in you, they want what's in you and them. And that's how we get community transformation. Can I tell you something? That's all the keys you really need. That's all the aspects you really need. Guess what? You all have it. We all have it. I'm just reminding what we have, we now got to go. So if you're willing to go and allow the Spirit of God to come upon you in a whole new way, I want you to put out your hands. Over the next six to eight months, we genuinely are going to have outreaches in Killalay, Crossgar. We are going to have you know, our home groups set up in a way that actually we want to really have a pastoral care in our church done well. We are growing, we are getting to a place. But can I tell you something? Our best days are ahead, but we need all of us to step in where there's gaps. So Father, would you come and fill your people? 
Father, would you send us into the harvest? Would you throw us in? But guess what, Jesus, actually, you can't drag us in, so we have to step in. So if you're willing to step in, I want you to take a step forward. I step in today. I step in for the sake of my community. I step in for the sake of their salvation, of their story. I'm not the one, I'm not their savior, but Jesus, you are. And you live on the inside of me. You've done something in me, so I'm gonna use my story as the evangelism tool. I'm gonna tell them about you. Father, would you give us the courage and the boldness and give us just the willpower to decide I'm gonna step in. And God, for all of us who've stepped in, God, will we begin to dream new dreams new visions for our time and we catch it so that we wouldn't be running around visionless but we also wouldn't be running around with curiosity in our hearts and humility and let that smell come upon us God I want to smell more like this town not so that I conform so that I can use you to transform so Holy Spirit come in a whole new way upon us upon our church in Jesus name
I don't know about you this morning, but I felt the atmosphere change here. Lord, we're so grateful. We're so grateful, Lord, that faith is rising. We're so grateful, Lord, that vision has been shaken and challenged and forged in this place, Lord, a way forward. Um, Lord, and it's a glorious way forward, for you are in charge. You're the one who lifts our heads. You're the one who goes before us and breaks down those walls in our community. So, Lord, we just put ourselves in your hands, Lord, and say, take us on. Take us on this morning. Yeah. Thank you.